It's very clear how you've paced the exhibition so carefully, Joe. It starts with Sadaka, doesn't mm -hmm. it, with, with Jewish charity. So you're, you're painting a picture first to try and puncture the preconceptions that people might come with. Tell me what you want to say at the beginning. Yeah, I think you're completely right. I think what we want to do at the beginning is to um, introduce people to the kind of very rich meanings that money has in Jewish life, um, um, putting to one side for a minute the stereotypes and the tropes that some people will be very familiar with and other people may not be. So we're, we're looking, we start uh, kind of importantly, poignantly with a, a begging letter from a man in 11th century Egypt who is um, pleading with his community for financial assistance to bring his, his wife and, and son, uh, a child, to, to join him. This was important to me because it's an artifact that speaks all about Jewish poverty. Most Jews throughout history weren't rich Jews. Um, most Jews were either poor Jews or somewhere in between. Uh, this is a destitute individual who's, who's, who's absolutely desperate, um, but he's also appealing to his community uh, to fulfill mm. essentially the obligation of tzedakah. Uh, so it's, a, it's an important example of communal uh, responsibility is how money uh, in Judaism isn't necessarily sinful, um, uh, but only as long as it's, it's used for, for the good. So that's serving God or serving the wider community. And it immediately tells you that there are rich Jews and poor Jews. Yeah, so that's that another very important thing yeah. the exhibition is trying yeah. to, to... and I think the main message of the exhibition for me is that any ideas of uh, Jews being rich or Jews being poor, um, uh, the important thing to note is that the reasons why Jews are or have been rich or why Jews are or have been poor doesn't lie in Jewishness itself. It's not to do with the, the, the Jewishness of the individuals or communities that we're talking about, but it's about the social and economic context that they lived through, the situations that they operated in. And that's what we do in taking this historical long view it's a 2,000-year sweep through through history, showing um, different um, contexts that Jews were living in and how how that affected their uh, chances of, of getting by, of, of either um, accumulating wealth or, or, or being dispossessed, or you know, barely scraping by, living as uh, you know, as we'll see later, as peddlers or street street beggars. Mm. Yeah. So it's important to establish that first, so that colours the way people go through the exhibition. And then you do have to tackle history, and you'll certainly have to tackle Christianity and the whole Judas yeah. Know, story, myth, yeah. whatever we want to call well, it. Well, over here we have mm. um, a section that's called Medieval Commerce and we have some of the most important manuscripts relating to Jews in Britain in the medieval period from the National Archives, from the British Library and also from the Jewish Museum's collection. So this is a very, very famous exchequer role listing income to the exchequer from Jews. Um, the interesting thing about it, the most noteworthy thing, is the strange illustration, the kind of caricature, um, anti-Jewish caricature at the top that we have reproduced. Already the noses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the devil mm. touching the two Jewish people's noses mm. and Isaac of Norwich at the top, who was one of the richest men in, in Britain, um, presented as a three-figured antichrist sort of figure with the crown on his head. Um, this is a very, very important early example of anti-Jewish caricature in England and shows somewhat the... Um, early associations of Jews as moneylenders, yeah. as Jews. And it's not that long before the Jews were thrown out of England, yeah, is it? Exactly. So it must be part of the exactly. story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, uh, in, in expelling the Jews in 1290, their debts were kind of cancelled. And uh, that was it, yeah. So, one way mm, of um, mm. getting rid of debts is getting rid of the people that you owe the money to. Mm. So, And that's a recurring story in the violence that we see that some of these um, artefacts relate to. And then Judas is, Judas is one of the... Um, 
kind of earliest archetypes in here of, of this um, of this trope of of Jews as, as greedy, of Jews as um, uh, money grabbing, ruthless, r- ruthless, mm-hmm. um, um, not to be trusted. Um, we have um, depictions in the um, 13th and 14th centuries, largely taking the line um, of, of the kind of treacherous line that Judas is the personification of all Jews who can't be trusted, who sells out Jesus, who who um, who, who who is in league with the devil, as we see over here, um, receiving the bag of, of the 30 coins. Um, some absolutely beautiful artworks on loan from the Victorian Albert Museum, uh, this gorgeous ivory diptych uh, showing scenes from the Passion of Christ. And over here on the left, as you'd expect, we see Judas um, carrying the money bag. This is the Jew with the money bag. Well, I think one of the things is that there's such beauty and such detail and such horror all in one illustration there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Whereas... You know, this is a completely different yeah, story. this yeah. wonderful Rembrandt. He was only 26 when he painted it. Yeah, he yeah, was very young. Really it's known as his earliest yeah. masterpiece, yeah. Mm. And this is from a private collection. It hasn't been seen for some time. And it's, I mean, it's interesting that Rembrandt chooses to depict the scene of, of Judas pleading mm. with the priests to, re- mm. to you know, return the coins. He um, looks so sympathetic. He does, doesn't he? Although, um, you know, although as, as it's been pointed out, there's a, mm. there is an ambiguity. His eyes mm. are firmly fixed on the coins. And is is he sad to be giving them up? Or is, is, is he atoning for the original sin of betraying Christ? Or is he unable to take his eyes off the coins? Um, there's a lot going on in this mm. painting. There's, there's the light that's being cast onto mm. the scripture, which nobody in the, in the picture is looking at. His focus is on the coins. And is the um, scripture? We don't know what scripture well, is. Well, you have we? um, it's old. Oh, I guess yes. it's Old Testament because there's mm. Hebrew so writing. Yes. And maybe it's the bit that says, "Give charity." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe it is. <laughs> Yeah, so and then you know the figure of the Jewish moneylender evolves throughout the yeah. medieval and mm. early modern period, and, and Jews become um, depicted as moneylenders and usurers in, um, in, in in literature, most most notably with the kind of infamous figure of Shylock. Mm. We have some contemporary art is over this here. Something this is a reimagining of the Shylock story, a kind of um, um, actually interweaving um, the Jew of Malta, interestingly, mm. into uh, into the narrative. Can one buy that to read? Because yes, looks like this is the book. Over this is something extraordinary. Yeah. It's a very famous Israeli artist, actually. He does very, very interesting work. And he uh, did these... Um, you can see a lot of the work was produced when he was blindfolded. It's called The Blind Merchant, which is what, interesting to artist? me. Yeah, yeah, you can see these wow. kind of childlike drawings. He was blindfolded as he was doing that. It's wonderful you've included that. We wanted to yeah. kind of interrupt the chronology with yes. contemporary material to give people some space also to reflect because mm. it's quite important that there's a lot of dense material mm. and we want people to be able to reflect and take a, take a step back. Well, that one certainly it's so arresting. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we move into a section called Bankers and Beggars, which is all about the kind of emergence of these two contradictory stereotypes. The, the, on the one hand, the wealthy Jew, the banker, the merchant, the financier, the plutocrat. On the other hand, the beggar, the, the street peddler, the hawker, um, the, the, the criminal Fagin yeah. character. It's quite interesting because you've got some actual, rather beautiful portraits here. And these are from the museum's collection, yes. the oil paintings, yeah. But they're not portraits of people caricatured. And it's no, not at towards all. Exactly, that. I'm glad you point mm. that out, actually. They're, they're sincere portraits that really are here to show that in the 17th century, when Jews came back into 
Um, I know these are later, but in the, you know, when Jews resettled in the 17th century, there were largely wealthy merchants, a small handful of wealthy merchants drawn to London as the financial capital of the world at the time, the trading centre. And the, the kind of Anglo-Jewish elite that emerges really do rise into uh, kind of the elite of British society. And we have these society portraits, almost like aristocratic figures, uh, not in any way uh, caricatured. These are of Daniel and uh, Sarah Judith de Costa who were married and they're also uh, the de Costa family, a very famous merchant family mm. who dealt in kind of precious commodities um, with the East India Company. What we have over here are portraits and representations, not anti-Semitic representations, mm. genuine faithful representations of this small number of people who rose to the heights of British society. Yes, um, including the, this Nathan Mayer Rothschild, yeah. yeah. One of the sons, isn't he, got sent yes, over here. Yes, the British. On the other side of the wall is, mm. is the kind of flip side. More anti-Semitic mm. material, satirical mm. material that's, that's kind of trading on these emerging stereotypes and depicting Jews in, in less than complementary ways. So we have these four portraits which relate to this kind of suggestion mm. that, uh, that Jews were at heart kind of theologically, morally... Uh, corrupt, uh, that the kind of Jewish obsession with money and wealth accumulation came from, mm. s- from Judaism itself. You see uh, bankers praying for a good return on a loan in the oh. synagogue at Duke's Place. You see a Fagin-like character under the uh, banner 11th commandment, get all you can, mm. keep what you get, give away nothing. They're very stark, easy to understand an- anti-Semitic caricatures. And this is slightly more complicated. This is a yeah. kind of figure of a Rothschild, the 19th century print, a very famous anti-Semitic print with the figure of the Rothschild at the heart of the world financing wars, leading to misery, standing in a sack of coins. Mm. Uh, this is uh, showing how uh, the, the kind of the image of the Jew is being used um, comes in handy, is kind of instrumentalised to explain the woes of, of, of all society, all the ills of society, and it's an early example of what some people might call the socialism of fools, blaming Jews for the problems of capitalism. And that's why we've juxtaposed mm. it with this mural, because I think the two... Is the that two, the one people have been talking about? Yeah, this is the mere one mural from 2012, which, which re-emerged in 2015 mm. and 16 when Corbyn was attacked for that's defending... That's what I wondered. That's yeah, the... the for, for, I, yeah. I call it, sort of in my back of my mind, it's the Corbyn people mural. People call it the Corbyn <laughs> mural, but, but it's, but it's yeah. actually by mere one, an artist, an American artist, who did it in the, on a wall in Brick Lane. And Tower Hamlets mm. removed it a few months later because of the outcry of uh, locals. It just so happens that when he wants to um, provide a kind of uh, critique of capitalism, he reaches for these stereotypical figures. Suspiciously like uh, Jews. That comes to mean something very overinflated at this time. He comes to stand for for all Jews and and, and all Jews as bankers. And we have this very, very grotesque sculpture over here of Nathan Mayer Rothschild, which was made in France. He's almost kind of bestial, animal-like figure, Mm. again standing on this grotesque... Uh, this vulgar kind of um, sack of coins, mm. clutching it, yeah, uh, with a kind of d- disgusting kind of lust for money on display. Yeah, ugly, it's ugly. It's very ugly. We did discuss about mm. how to display it, and we deliberately turned mm. it round so that mm. it wouldn't be greeting people on, that people would have to kind of make a little bit of an effort yeah. to come round. I think it's brave it what you're doing and how careful you've had yeah, to be. we have be tried to be very careful. At this time particularly, and in yeah. the light of the fact that everything spreads on social media yeah. in a moment as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing is, you know, is to have the courage to to do exhibitions like this, which we can, which can make an important intervention mm. on public debate, and not to be swayed by the kind of um, news cycle, and to kind of do it on our own terms with this historical kind of deconstruction and contextualization of all of these ideas. Um, and that's what we've tried to do. You know, we've tried to have some sort of um, serious intervention mm. on this topic. It, 
are you going to get school parties coming? It, the exhibition hasn't been designed for young children, but no. definitely older well, children. I meant older ones, yeah, I meant secondary sure, school. There's a lot of material that yeah. will be very useful mm. for the educational programmes that the museum runs, yeah. yeah. You said you were going to tell me what the sound was. Well, this is to do oh, with some of the contemporary art. Is it, this, this, is it, one, is it in this, this room? Is, uh, or? The idea being that these oh. banknotes are kind of um, in a whole... Um, uh, a mouse hole, that's what the noise is supposed to be suggesting. And there, there are contemporary interventions throughout the space. Mm. There's, a, there's a, another artwork by the same artist. What well, looks like so, someone's um, left behind person. I thought it was. A, no, no, try and, try and all, pick it up. You can we were all sitting to the bench. Yeah. Yes, do you know what? We were all sitting on the yeah, bench, yeah, carefully yeah. thinking, yeah. I wonder whose that so, I mean, is. I think the artist was trying to provoke. Um, a sense of kind of morality around money. What do you do when you see loose banknotes and when you see a coin on the floor? Or someone's purse. Or when you see someone's purse. Yes, but yeah. we all skirted it, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I suppose yeah. I thought it belonged to the person who was sitting yeah. on the bench. It's so clever. So this section mm. over here is called Modern Stereotypes and it looks at new ideologies for the 19th and 20th centuries and how these tropes you know, evolve in different mm. political contexts. So we have... The, the ideas of the Jew as the kind of dangerous revolutionary, the Jew as Bolshevik, you know, the Jew mm. as, uh, as as kind of uh, hyper-capitalist. And um, we have these interesting figurines here from Poland, which are sold as tourist souvenirs and as, as general souvenirs in Poland today, which are obviously quite offensive to many people mm. for the suggestion yeah. that they make of mm. Jews being attached to money, that they're playing on ideas that Jews bring with them luck and that mm. Jews particularly bring with them financial success. So if you, if you buy a, a Jew and a lucky coin, Jew. You, it's a lucky Jew and you put it in your house and hopefully the same luck oh, that the Jew yeah. has. So uh, we, we deliberately uh, chose to show the film mm. alongside it with some individuals in Poland talking about what they mean to them because it's a, it's a complicated mm. story and actually mm. speaks to the, the place of the, of the kind of fictional Jew in the Polish imagination. Mm. Jews being associated as commerce and merchants. Mm. Yeah. I, we haven't really got time to look at this um, video, but it's yeah, very that's clever. Another that's another video piece, yeah, yeah, so another art piece. Kind of a humorous PowerPoint yeah. presentation. But it's all those Jewish jokes yeah. where yeah. The, you know, the Jew is pictured as being yeah, very yeah, interested yeah. in money or whatever it is. And there's a whole Boris Johnson sequence. Yeah, so if you yeah, come here, Brexit, watch yeah. that. Definitely. And if you knew that joke, before about the man in the ill-fitting suit, it is a, it's, um, it's brilliant. Yeah, isn't it nice that some things are actually genuinely, they are funny, you know, still edgy. But yeah, we wanted humour mm. to have its rightful mm. place in the exhibition, not to be flippant, but to kind of maybe cut through some of the tension that mm. people might be feeling. And so there's, there are some humorous interventions throughout the exhibition that are safe, that aren't, that aren't inappropriate. That's um, exactly yeah. the right place yeah. that one. And outside, yeah. I do urge people to stop and watch things. Definitely. There's Think, a lot to yeah, watch. A lot, a lot of, of video, video content. So important. Yeah. Because otherwise, by this time, you know, we're in a, a room now where we're up against that the sort of Nazi propaganda, the communist propaganda, and we know what it led to. And, you know, it's this double bind. You can't win. You're Jewish, you know, you, you've caused all the problems of communism, you've caused all the problems of poverty, you know. Yeah. Scapegoats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scapegoats, Jewish yeah. money. Yeah. Um, anti-Semitism is a kind of like um, um, a misunderstanding of what's going on in the world, you know, and easy solutions to difficult questions yeah. are that the problem is the, is the Jew, the figure yeah. of the Jew. One of the most fascinating things in the whole exhibition is this Haggadah mm -hmm. for um, 
Well, for communists, exactly. once, you, once God has been removed from the picture. In exactly. Fact. Yeah. With, in, in the place of Moses is Karl Marx, the the prophet for the twentieth century. Yeah. yeah. And there are these two brilliant things that the song that we all sing about who knows one, who knows two. And one <laughs> is Karl Marx, and uh, two is Lenin, Lenin and Trotsky. Trotsky. Yeah. Three is um, the com- communist international. Yes, and so on and so forth. Again, you know, you've got to stop and look and read. You've got to look There's at it. There's a lot of very very yes. rich material. No, no yeah. pun intended. There is a lot of. Yeah. Oh material, gosh, that's a yeah. brilliant pun. Very difficult to escape the pun. <laughs> yes, charged material. Yeah. This is in the early 30s in the Soviet Union, but it is in Yiddish and it is produced by Jews. I mean, this is a sort of self-hating Jew thing. Yeah, isn't it? well, you could see it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's do, Jews. I'm afraid, it's, yeah, or not. It's, well, it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, at its heart, it's political propaganda produced by Jews yeah. um, as an expression of kind of anti-capitalist sentiment, anti-Jewish sentiment that's um, knowingly or not, I mean, I think it's pretty explicit, isn't it? Mm. They're grasping hold of these um, quite um, anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish um, imagery that's operating in, in other very, very different contexts. Yeah. It is yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what you just and said. Produced by and for Jews, yeah. It, yes, yeah. And, and I, you know, again, we have that image of the self-hating Jew. I'm thinking that is part of it, mm. really. Or Jews who yeah. want to disassociate themselves with Judaism, yes. with but, a kind of yes. old, old way of being Jewish. And then we have George Soros at the end, which I think is a very important intervention because this, this closing section mm. talks about the emergence of a new conspiracy theory that Soros is at the heart mm. of, this Jewish puppet master that, we, that we've seen over centuries uh, now, now mm. re-emerging with the figure of Soros, which yeah. I think is, uh, is very frightening and, um, and it's important to have this contemporary material here. And the irony isn't lost on anyone that the, the reporting in the New York Times on the Soros conspiracy theories is juxtaposed with an image of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. Mm. Yes, but we can even talk about New Zealand very briefly, but one thing does clearly fire another. The kind of de- dehumanisation yes, of the dehumanisation of minority yeah. groups. Yeah. We have got to see it. Um, as I think has been stated, this is a museum um, about uh, Judaism in Britain, mm-hmm. but nonetheless... A lot of this stuff is worldwide, isn't it? Yeah, it's international because it has to be. Yeah, it's difficult not to make connections outside mm. of the immediate story that we're telling here, and I think we hope that people will do that, uh, definitely. And we've tried to bring material together will that will provoke those sorts of conversations and allow people to reflect on the kind of multiple meanings of these narratives.